and sisters. Takes me a little longer to get up here. <laughs> I'm getting used to the timing of it. Hopefully by next week I'll be on a cane and it'll be a little quicker. But uh, I'm so thankful to be here today. And I want you to know today, whether you're male or female, whether you're black or white or brown, whether you're conservative or liberal, whether you're old or young, whether you're rich or poor, whether you consider yourself gay or straight or something else, whether you love Jesus or you're just not sure about him yet, I want you to know that Crosswinds is a place that you will be loved and you will be cared for because you are loved by God. If we've not met yet, my name is Ken and I serve as the pastor here at Crosswinds and we're in a series called Moving Forward with Faith and Faithfulness. And in this series, we are looking at the mission of our church. And we believe that the mission of our church is based on two verses in the Bible, the Great Commandment from Mark 12, 29 through 31, and the Great Commission from Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And last week I gave everybody a little card and an assignment to meditate on a couple times a day on that Mark 12, 29 through 31 verse. And I want you to try to memorize it and know the greatest commandment according to Jesus. And I have a chocolate bar today. I actually have a bunch. Um, oops. Uh, heavy bag of chocolate bars. I have a chocolate bar for anybody that wants to raise their hand and can shout out that verse. Stand up, Jason. Stand up, too? Yeah. Let's give a big hand to Jason. There you go. Anybody else? Anybody else think they know it? Okay, Courtney, stand up. Awesome. Let's hear it for Courtney. Courtney, can you come up and get this? Now, I know Courtney will give it to her kids because she's such a healthy person, runs marathons and triathletes. She's not going to eat that chocolate. <laughs> that was excellent. I, I want us all to practice it because I think it's important that we know the command of God. And, and, and before we do it, I want to say that that verse starts out with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And, and that verse is not disputing the reality of the Trinity, that we believe in one God in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Instead, what it is saying is that God is number one. Big foam finger for God. He is number one. And um, you know what? Can I have a couple of students? Uh, jo Jonah, could you run up here real quick? And Devin, could you run up here real quick? And um, I want you to do this. I want you to give uh, these big ones to any of the, any of the kids that are here. And um, Jonah, you can hand uh, those are to the adults, their, their foam fingers. And these just go on your finger like this. So pass one out to everybody. Hurry up. We've got to do this quickly. Um, get everybody a, a foam finger. Because God is number one, right? So I want you to put your foam finger on. Everybody put your foam finger on. And uh, um, what I want to do is, if we can put that verse up on the thing. This is about following God, following Jesus. Everybody stand up and let's say it together. And let's hold up our foam finger. So we remember that God is priority, that he's number one in our life. So let's, let's say it together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Thank you. Good job. Everybody, keep your foam finger on today. Keep remembering. You can have a seat. I want you to take that foam finger, and I want you to enthusiastically say that verse over and over again. Um, it may seem a little weird to get excited as a church. You know, we weren't that excited when we said it last time. I want you to say it one time, and I'm, I'm not going to say it with you this time. I'm going to let um, Jason lead us. So on the count of three, let's do it one more time. Let's say excited. And hold your finger high. Ready? Now, I know it may seem a little weird to have foam fingers in church and get all excited about something in church, um, but have you ever gotten excited at a football game or a, a sports event, a baseball game? Have you ever given someone a high five or a belly bump or, you know, done the wave at, at, at a sport event? Uh, if you do that to show love to your team, is your team more important than God? No, not at all. We, we should be 10 times more excited here in church um, about the one who died for us, who created us, and um, died to, to take away our sins and, and promises us everlasting life. You know, if you never show your excitement for God, are, are, are you actually loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? You know, I asked you to memorize that verse. So that it's in your heart, not so that you have religious knowledge, but so that you would obey that in your life, that God would be your number one priority. And, and so that we can move forward as a church, we need two things. We need both faith and we need faithfulness. Faithfulness is our response in doing what God has asked us to do. See, friends, you can have a lot of knowledge about God and not be faithful. You can know everything about him and still not know faith. Faith is when we believe and respond to what his word says. Religion, friends, is useless to save your soul. God wants your obedience to love him first. Loving your neighbor. Oh, everybody, stand up again and love your neighbor. Give him a high five. Give him a belly bumper. I don't care. Give him a hug. Do, do something. Just, just show your neighbor some love right now. And, and you know what? God also, he, he wants you to, to love yourself. Say with me right now, I am valuable and loved by God. Let's say that together. I am valuable and loved by God. Now, don't just say it, believe it, because that's true according to the Bible, that you are valuable. You are made in his image, and you are loved by God. He loved you before you ever sinned before the foundations of this earth. Now see, that's, friends, that's what it means to follow him. So friends, just think back over this week. How was following Jesus this week? Now I said there's two parts to our mission. The other one, one was what we just read was Mark 12, 29 through 31, the great commandment. And, and, and also the, the great commission which we call fishing. 
And here's some homework for this week. On that other side of that card, if you have it, um, uh, flip it over, and there's this verse. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, this is what Jesus told the disciples to do with the rest of their lives. And, and how can you do it if you don't know it? And, and, and if you don't have one of those cards, I'm sure there's one on the back table. And I, I want you to, to, to um, uh, put that card on the visor of your car, um, on your refrigerator door, or on your TV screen, so that when you see it every day, you review it. Because our mission here at Crosswinds Church is based on those two verses. We need to know those two verses. And I have another giant chocolate bar here for anybody that can stand up and tell us our mission. Because we wrote a sentence that just kind of incorporates these two things. It's our mission as a church. And if you can say the mission, I want you to stand up, raise your hand, and say it. Eric, go ahead. Stand up. All right, give, give Eric a big hand. How about Devin? Devin uh, is also standing. Here, I'll, I'll toss that out to Eric and Devin. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Not quite that. I gave a bonus. You got to get the wording down. So we'll give her half a chocolate bar. Who wants to split it with her? Uh, here, Tatiana, you have to split it with Devin, Okay. Okay, she gets half a chocolate bar because she did it half right. I want you to get it down. Uh, Steve, did you have it down? Go ahead. Okay. Oh, you got it. Let's give Steve a big hand. Steve, can you come over this way? I'll toss it to you. Thank you so much. Give, give Steve a big hand. Taste the Lord, and he is good. He is sweet. You know what? Last week, nobody could stand up, and today we had a bunch of people stand up. I'm excited. That means we're moving forward as a church. Um, raise your hand if you think, not that you have to stand up and say it, that, that you think you're starting to get to know it. If, if you're starting to think you get to, get to know it, okay, take that card. It's on the card. Memorize it this week. Helping every family discover God, his love, and his ways. And I'm excited that we're learning this together because there's great power as we all get on the same page together as his people. And in this series, what I plan to do is, is preach on every word of our mission statement. Um, last week, we, we, we um, did helping. This week, we're doing every. So, so why do we choose the word every from the mission statement? It's to remind ourselves God wants us to make disciples of everyone because of his great mercy. And... We chose to follow up that word every with the word family because everyone is part of a family. And we are to be missionaries to families of people. Even if you're single, you came from a family. Even if you're estranged from your family, you're actually still part of a family. And if we obey the great commandment, we are to love and care for families as a church. The Bible is a story of the family of humanity. Jesus, the Lord, was, was born into a family. God chose to work through a family to do his redemptive work. 
you know, as a church, we care about each of you that are here, but we don't only care about each of you here. We, we care about your family members that don't attend with us regularly. They are people we should all be praying for and, and looking for opportunities to show them kindness and love. You know, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become now part of a new family. The Bible says we become children of God. And as children of God, we are to work in the Father's business, which is to help adopt those created by him into his eternal family through his gospel. You know, some churches only target certain segments of people. They might say they're a a black church or they're a white church or they're a a Chinese church. They, They may be targeting young people or maybe they're really targeting older people or maybe they're just targeting people that think and act like them. Friends, at Crosswinds, Everyone is on the target. As a church, we we seek to be multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, and multi-ideological politically. We all think differently, and that's okay. We just need to love Jesus. Friends, we care about everybody here, not just people we like or who are just like us. As a church, we've identified seven cultures, things we are trying to be as we do church together. And and two of them show our intention in ministering to everybody. I'm going to read those to you. One is creative communication, finding innovative ways to communicate the gospel in relevant ways to teach to each generation, gender, personality, style, and people group. And the other one is this, training. We seek to create a leadership pipeline to build up people from the youngest to the oldest to make disciples who then train others to be disciples to build up others who then do the same. When we say every in our mission statement, friends, we mean every. We mean every. Because every human being you see each day needs the benefit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Bible says everybody sins. That's what it says. And, and, and the Bible says everybody needs forgiveness. And here's something else that we know is true. Everybody's going to die. Friends, you may get out of taxes, but we don't get out of death. It's a certainty for everyone. The wage of our sin caused it. And without a loving relationship with God, every one of us faces and eternity in hell when we die. Everyone is condemned because of their sin. The benefit of them knowing and loving God is forgiveness of that sin and the gift of eternal life. And that is why our mission as a church is to fish or teach others the good news about his forgiveness and love for all of us sinners. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquity or sin, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, and who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Friends, when we have gospel conversations with others, when we disciple others, it's how we bring maximum benefit to other people's lives. 
It's uh, the main way we are to help every family to be on mission is to have the priority of fishing and making disciples. Jesus' final word in all the Gospels had to do with us sharing his gospel with everyone. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus records his great commission that I read earlier, and that was to all of his followers throughout all ages. But all the gospels have similar words. In Luke, after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples and says, Thus it is risen, that Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. That All nations means all people, beginning from Jerusalem. And Mark's gospel records Jesus saying this to his disciple after resurrection. He said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then in John's gospel, after his resurrection, Jesus said this to his disciples. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Friends, as disciples... We are a sent people because we believe in a sent God. Jesus was sent to this earth. And we are sent to others so that they might know his forgiveness and love. And and if we don't live on mission, forgiveness is actually withheld from the families of this world. Beloved, someone's last words are very important. And today I want to focus for a little while on Jesus' last words to his disciples before he left to join his Father in heaven. So please open your Bible or your Bible Bible apps to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to be there. I'm going to kind of pick some verses out of there to to talk about. I'm not going to read through the whole chapter. The book of Acts was written to show Jesus' purpose for the church. And we've been going over our purpose as a church. The the book of Acts is an extension of the gospel, and and Luke speaks about the ministry of of the the church or the apostles. And in verse 3, it says this, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. See, three days after Jesus was brutally killed by crucifixion, He walked out of the grave, alive again, alive forever. And and the text says in Luke that Jesus hung around for 40 days after resurrection, teaching his disciples. And and, and to be proof of the promise of everlasting life. And, And what was he teaching them about? According to the verse? The kingdom of God, which is the gospel. He was, he was teaching about the gospel, the kingdom of God. He wanted everyone to know his story, how believing in what he has done for us brings forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Jesus was not a ghost or a spirit for those 40 days. He was a walking object lesson, a living and breathing example of a resurrected man, the firstborn of, all crea- of the new creation. He, he, in, in, in his example, he was 
showing us what we could be resurrected by faith in him and what he has done for us. Jesus said this shortly before he died. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus was asking that because that's what's required, that we believe it. Friends, do you believe that? Oh, I didn't. Get your foam finger. I get excited. Do you believe that? Okay. That's why Jesus hung around 40 days to make sure his disciples understood his message and, and how to share it. When, when Jesus says, whoever believes in me, he's talking to who? Everyone. Whoever. Jesus is the only one who has the answer to death. Every other prophet or founder of a religion or expert or guru has something in common, a tomb. Jesus had a borrowed one because he only needed it for a few days and now it's empty. Buddha's bones can be found in a tomb. Confucius' bones can be found. Joseph Smith's bones can be found. Muhammad's bones can be found. Dem bones of Jesus, they can't be found because he's still using them. Just like how he's walking around with his disciples for 40 days after his death. This is why Jesus is number one. He's done something nobody else has ever done. You know, just before Jesus left for heaven, his disciples asked him a question. In verse 6, it says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? I think Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of God, and they're worried about the kingdom of Israel. Disciples are a lot like people today, more concerned about their earthly kingdoms, what's going on in their lives, instead of his promise of a heavenly one. Most people are focused on what is good for them, not what is good for everyone. See, the Jewish religion had made these disciples focus on the fate of their Hebrew nation. Now, God had promised to restore their nation eventually, but God's concern has always been for every family of people on this earth to be restored. God did call one man and his family to help him fulfill his mission. And that family was given God's law, and they were promised that out of their family, out of their family line, a deliverer would come that would crush the serpent's head and, and save everyone. And so by that token, they were a chosen people, a family that God chose for his mission to save everyone. But I want you to listen to the call that Abraham, the father of that family, got in, in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, he was focused on all people. Every family of this earth will be blessed because of this deliverer, Jesus, who would be born of a virgin in the family of Abraham. In Genesis 22, 18, God said this to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Jesus is the promised offspring in Genesis um, 3, the, the strength of salvation for all people. Isaiah, one of their big prophets um, of the, the Hebrew people, also said that the gospel was for everyone. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth 
shall see the salvation of our God, Isaiah twenty two eighteen. But unfortunately, the reason Jesus was killed and, 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 and why his disciples are still focused on, on their nation being great, and like many people today are focused on the wrong thing, concerned about it, only about our own salvation and our own comfort, that we, we become selfish. But God's intention is always for all people. And, and so Jesus has to focus them back on the mission. And, and he says to him, hey, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. It's, it's not important when this happens. But what is important? See, because they wanted special knowledge about God's plan for them and, and their nation. But God wasn't interested in that. He was interested in their obedience. His obedience, their obedience to his priority for everybody to know his gospel and to share it with others. You know, if you're, if you're just coming to church for your own benefit and you're not concerned with every family, are you being his church? Are you being on mission for him? Or, or are you just doing your own thing and playing at religion? See, Jesus meant, he said over and over again, for us to share his mission. His last words before he ascended to heaven, the last recorded words in the book of Acts are, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, but you, he's talking to you. He's talking to each one of you. And he's also talking about where real power comes in your faith. For the gospel is the power of God, according to the scriptures. Jesus gives us his power through the Holy Spirit to help every family discover God, his love, and his ways. And, and to receive his power, we must pray together. Jesus asked his disciples earlier on in the book of Acts to stay together in Jerusalem and, and pray until the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. If we're going to accomplish his mission, it starts with us, church, praying together. You know, every Sunday morning, where's Nigel? Every Sunday morning, Nigel, our, our, our prayer leader, is here at 9 a.m. to lead anybody who wants to come in prayer. To, you know, you can come join us every Sunday morning and, and pray for, the, for the God's mission to happen. You know, there's a, a great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, one of the most successful gospel preachers ever. And he said what gave his ministry the most power and his preaching the most power was his boiler room. Now, his boiler room was a bunch of people that got together in the basement and prayed as he preached. And thousands came to know the Lord. Friends, for us to reach every family of the 100,000 or so people living within five miles of this church, that 96% of them are lost right now. For, for us to reach them, our Jerusalem, friends, we must be a people of prayer first. We must be a people of prayer. Everything starts with prayer. Jesus said, apart from him, we can do nothing. Friends, I've never saved anyone. But God has saved lots of people through my obedience to him in prayer and me be willing to open my mouth and be a witness of his good news in gospel conversations. Jesus says to us, his disciples, that we will be his witnesses. Notice it does not say we will become 
his witnesses. It doesn't take any special education to be a witness. It takes you sharing your experience with the risen Lord. The, the, the big picture of God's mission is that everyone, 7.88 billion people on this planet, are his target. And, and friends, that seems like an overwhelming task. But Jesus makes it really simple. He, he says to start local where you are. And, and I will supply, supply all the power to go global. You know, when we, we start obeying Jesus' command to be his witness, it's, it's like throwing a stone in the pan, pond. And from that stone, there's a splash. But then it, it sends ripples throughout the rest of the pond. You know, when I, I started being faithful, praying, just sharing the gospel with others, I had no idea that I'd ever be a pastor and, and that I would eventually see a ripple. When we started this church, I never, you know, uh, thought there'd be a ripple. God just called me to be a missionary to my family and then a, a missionary to my hometown. But now he's expanded opportunities to bring his good news to people all over the world. You know, when we first started Crosswinds, we wrote this mission statement. We were just focused on everyone in Plainfield. But, but last year, God worked through this church in places like England and Sierra Leone and, and Kenya and Haiti and West Virginia because a few of us were willing to throw ourselves in the pond and become witnesses for Christ. And so now thousands of families worldwide have known his mercy and forgiveness. Beloved, if we're going to move forward together in faith and faithfulness, we need all of you, every one of you, to be what God saved you to be, his witnesses. And friends, that starts with faithful prayer. You know, but when I spoke to speak to most people about being a witness, they give me this common excuse. I don't know anybody. I just don't know anybody. Which is a bunch of bull poopy. It's just not true. It's not true. It's not true of anybody. I want you to take that card. Uh, there's, the card was passed out to you. There should be a pen in the front of your, uh, of your, your seat pocket. See, I'm not a witness of the gospel because I know a lot more people than everybody else. That's, that's not why I'm a witness of the gospel. Jesus, from an earthly point of view, did not know lots of people. He, he was from out of town, way out of town, heaven. Instead of making excuses, Jesus was faithful with the people he knew, the people around him, and then he was faithful to the people that they knew. He consistently shared the message of the kingdom and the world was changed through him. Jesus was born in a small town in the middle of nowhere, and yet his gospel has gone throughout the world because he was faithful to those up close to him. Now, you should have that card, and on one side of it, 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 it says lost. And I want us to be faithful with our Jerusalem. So um, I want to prove to you that you know some people so that you can be a faithful witness. I want you to ask yourself the questions on this card, and I want you to write a name. This is for you. I'm not going to look at it. Uh, I want you to think of people that you know that are far from God. And first question, it's easier to think of like types of people than it is to think of names, just if you ask names. So first, who do you love that's far from God? Do you have any friends or, or, or relatives who do not know Jesus yet? They, they really can be anywhere in the world because of Zoom and FaceTime and WhatsApp. You're not limited. You can be a witness everywhere right from your own home. 
But I, I would try to write down somebody local right now. Next, write down somebody from your occupation that's far from God. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's an employee. Maybe it's a business associate or a vendor that you deal with all the time. Maybe if you're a student, it's your teacher or your study partner or your coach. Next, who do you see regularly that is far from God? Maybe it's your hairstylist. Maybe it's your barista. Maybe it's your bus driver, your next-door neighbor, the mother of your child's team, uh, child's soccer team, one of his teammates or the family of his teammates. Maybe it's your Amazon delivery guy. Next. Next blank, the last one. Do you know someone who's trouble? Do you know someone who's always in trouble or someone who's troubled that's far from God right now? You know, the Apostle Paul was arguably one of the best witnesses for Christ in the, Old Test- or the New Testament. Probably one of the best the world has ever known. But friends, he was trouble. He was a murderer of Christians. He hated Christians. And yet God changed his heart so that he might become a powerful witness. And, and I bet you know someone that seems like trouble to you. Maybe their sins make you uncomfortable. Maybe the way they behave makes you think they would never be interested in God. I want you to write that person down. Is there anybody that didn't come up with four people? See, you all know people. Actually, the average person knows 200 to 250 people on a first-name basis. That's why wedding chapels and funeral homes are built for about that size. I want you to pray for that, those four people. That's all I want you to do right now. So I just want you to pray for those four people every day. Make a commitment to pray for them every day for the next 60 days and see what God does. See what kind of power God releases. See, Jesus asked us to be his witness. He doesn't ask us how many people we know. Knowing lots of people is not the qualification of being a witness. The qualification is believing Jesus rose from the grave and believing by faith you will too and sharing that with others. Everybody here should have at least four people to start praying for right now for the power to help connect them to God. Friends, being a witness is not about your skill. It's about your faithfulness to his word. The word witness in the Greek is actually the word martyr. Early disciples believed so much in Jesus' resurrection. It was a qualification. They had to pick a new apostle in, in the book of Acts. And the, the, what the qualification is, hey, did you, did you see Jesus resurrected? They had to, to stand up for this resurrection, willing to stand up and say they believed him until death. And most of the apostles died, never recanting that message. You're not a witness for Jesus because if you're not a witness for Jesus, is it possibly because you obey your fears of people instead of him? You love what people think more than you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Friends, the excuse of not knowing people will not fly with God. He's put you on a planet with 7.8 billion people. He knows it's an excuse, not reality. His disciples were faithful to pray until God sent them a bunch of -of out-of-towners into Jerusalem. A lot of people that didn't even um, speak their language. And then God powered them to be able to speak in their languages to share the gospel. Even though they did not know those people, their faithfulness to pray 
and their faithfulness to Jesus' words about the gospel gave them the opportunity to be witnesses. Friends, on the, on the back of your lost card, I want you to flip that over right now. There's a, a QR code and a link to a website called blesseveryhome.com. And, and this is a free service I found out about it actually when I was in Kenya from another mission team person there that will help you be a witness in your Jerusalem, in your own neighborhood for Jesus. This is a completely confidential way for you to get to know your neighbors. Maybe you don't know them right now. A lot of people don't. People, we're kind of like, you know, click our garage door and we go inside and we never talk to anybody. But how do you, you got to get to know your people. I have to get to know my people in my neighborhood. And so you just put your address in there and every day the, the service will email you a list of your neighbors by name and address so that you can pray for them by house. And, and I bet you all live in a neighborhood where there's at least 40 people living in less than a block or two from you. Maybe you don't know them yet, and maybe you don't know their names, but now, today, you can know their names, and you can start praying for them. The, the, na- the, the app will give you, this free app will give you the names of every household, and you can pray for them. So I'd like you all to go home and sign up for it today, and, and, and spend at least five minutes a day praying for your neighbors. It gives you five a day to pray for. Maybe come up with 40 or so in your neighborhood. It gives you five a day to pray for. And you can take notes about what you're praying for. It gives you a place to take notes that are private to you and, and little circles to click to track your progress. The first one says pray. And so when you pray for him, you just click pray. And, 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 and that's all you have to do today is after you pray for him, it's just click pray. And the next circle says care. And as you pray for him, God may Give you the idea or the opportunity to do something nice for your neighbor. Shovel their walkway. Invite them over for a barbecue. Do something nice for your neighbor. And I have found when, when I start praying for people, God gives me opportunity to meet them and to serve them. And the third circle says share. It may take a while, but if you're constant in prayer and you're patient and caring for them, I believe well, God will give you the opportunity to have a, a gospel conversation with them or maybe invite them to church or, or have them listen to a message of the church. The, the, the fourth circle says disciple. Now you may find out some of the people in your neighborhood are already disciples of Jesus. They're believers. And you can mark them down as such as you get to know them. You know, when you sign up for the service, you're considered a light, and you can invite them to be a light in the neighborhood. Now you can ask um, those ones that are already discipled to maybe be your partners in your neighborhood and, and maybe invite them over and, and pray together for your neighborhood to know Jesus Christ. Now, let's say you, you just start praying for your neighbors for the next couple of months because you know their name. Do you think God might give you the courage to buy or make a plate of cookies and come over some evening and say hello and tell them, hey, I've been praying for you and I just felt led to do something nice for you today? Simple as that. Do you think that might somehow lead to a relationship and maybe a gospel conversation? Friends, do you think that would, some cookies would be a positive um, witness for Christ? Now, some of you are thinking, that sounds scary. Well, what if you paired up with some friends from your life group? It's real biblical to do that. And one week... You go to your friend's neighborhood and you deliver five plates of cookie. And the next week you go to your neighborhood and you do it together, five plates of cookie. And with each other, you got a little courage. And they get to meet another Christian. Could you do that as a family? Could could you teach your children to love their neighbors and to be a witness of Jesus to them? Could you go out with your kids and stroller and take a plate of cookies to somebody?
Can you imagine the impact if every person from our church did this over the next year? Let's say we all adopted 40 homes in our neighborhood and, and we prayed just for five homes every day. You know that would be about 2,000 families we would be helping to know God, his love, and his ways. You know, I, I don't think it would take very long. I bet the Holy Spirit would release power and that amazing things would start to happen. If we only helped 5% of those 2,000 become followers of Jesus Christ, it would triple the size of our church. And it might even start a new church, a new church plant. You know, every time I put people down a list and consistently prayed for them, God has done amazing things. I've seen God save people. I've seen God do miracles in their lives so that they start to have faith in him. I've seen God open up gospel conversations. Friends, the excuse of not knowing anybody is not valid. You just need to be faithful today and start praying. Now, there's another excuse some may give. I don't have the time. Really? Really? You don't have five minutes a day to pray? It's a lie. It's not true that you don't have the time. The truth is, you value something else more. Everyone has the same amount of time. I have the same amount of time as you. We each have 24 hours a day, given by God. If you say you don't have time, what is it that you love more than your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all with your mind, and all your strength? Is it your work? Is it Facebook? Is it binge-watching Netflix? Or is it your sleep? Come on, if, if that's your excuse, do you really love your neighbor or do you just love yourself? And if that's true, is, is your faith in God something that's really valid? For God's word says in 1 John 4, 20 through 21, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love a God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You, can only, you can't do part of the great commandment, you've got to do all of it. Is it loving to your neighbor not to care if they stay unforgiven and go to hell? That sounds more like hate to me. Our mission, friends, is to help every family discover God, his love, and his ways. And Crosswinds, I know you're the kind of people that care about Every family. That's, I'm confident you're going to do this. I see how you give right now. Last year, we didn't make our own budget because we gave over $40,000 to missions to help families in, in Haiti and Sierra Leone and Kenya and Burundi and Malawi. We, we gave to start a radio station recently so the gospel would go out in, in Kenya. We packed and paid for 12,000 meals to send to some poor people in Haiti. We bought land, seed, and equipment, and toilet facilities, as you found out in the Abundant Life program, to start 10 families, over 70 people we helped in Malawi that we may never know through the Abundant Life program. See, you as a church already have the right heart. But friends, we can't let our local families perish. We can't. Every time you give, here, at least 10% of what you give will be sent directly to help families around the world discover God, his love, and his ways. That's our mission. But friends, if, if we reach some families in our neighborhood and teach them to care about the families around the world and become givers, how much more can we help send aid to the families around the world? 
blood, but we have to throw ourselves into this local pond so that we can continue to reach to the ends of the earth. Do you, do you realize the median household income of Plainfield is about $134,000 a year? How, how, how much more help could we be to the families of Burundi where the average income is under $600 a year if we taught those who are in our neighborhood to follow Jesus and learn to be fishermen and learn to give so that other families would know God, his love, and his ways? Our efforts here to transform our neighborhoods would be transforming to the whole world. Friends, are, are we going to make excuses or are we going to make a difference in 2023? Are we going to make excuses? Are we going to make a difference? You know, Jesus told his disciples to be focused on helping others, not about ourselves, but ho- helping others. Instead of building their own kingdoms and making excuses, he said, but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right at home, in Judea, the next state or the next, next county, and, and in Samaria and, and to the ends of the world. Throw yourself into that pond. Right after he said this, he, he, he floated up to heaven. And in verse 9 it says, When he had said these things, they were looking on him, and he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And, and while they were gazing to heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking to heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Friends, this is funny. Think about it. Jesus around for 40 days telling them what they need to do. And he flies up to heaven. And then he has to send two angels to tell them to get busy. To be his witnesses. Because they were just standing around not doing what he told them to do. What he had trained them to do for the last 40 days. To build his kingdom. Crosswinds. It's time for some of us to stop gazing into heaven, wondering what does God want me to do. Instead, get busy doing what he has told us to do. See, the angel said, Jesus is coming back. And Jesus said, when he's coming back, he will hold us accountable for what he asked us to do, which is the great commandment and the great commission, which is our mission as a church, helping every family discover God, his love, and his ways. Today, you have maybe just first heard of God's love for you and his ways of mercy to forgive your sin by faith in what his son did for you on the cross to sacrifice his life. The son of God loved you and he gave his life for you. And maybe you just heard about his resurrection and the promise of everlasting life. And today, all you need to do is receive that freely and then join us in his mission of love to this world. Maybe you've already heard that and received it. But you're just not on mission for him yet. You're, you're still making excuses. Today, repent. Repent. Turn from worrying about your kingdom and all your stuff and making your excuses and just simply be faithful and join us in being his witnesses. And let's change the world together. Let us pray. Father God, we we praise you for your kindness. We praise you for your mercy. We praise you for your love. 
Oh, Father, you've given each of us a story about how you've touched our lives. Father, let us be faithful to share it. Father, do a work in us. Let us be faithful men and women and, and, and teens, wherever we are. Father, because we never know whose life we may touch, whose life we may change. Father, discipline us to pray. Discipline us to open our mouths at the right time. Let the Holy Spirit empower us to do great things as a church. And Father, if there's anybody here that has just heard today of your mercy and your love, that that is your way, and they've not yet received it, let them admit their sin to you, admit that they need your help, and admit that they can't do it on their own. And let them turn to you right now and accept your mercy and your forgiveness and believe what you did for them on the cross and believe that you rose from the grave. Let them receive your free gift of salvation. And then let them obey your word to come become fishers of men. Oh, Father, do a great and mighty work here in this place or around the world as people are listening to this message. Father, we need you right now. Work through us. In Jesus' name, I pray.